Vibrant. 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 Music teaching. Proven and practical tips, strategies, and ideas for music, music teachers. You're listening to episode 9 of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I'm Nicola Canton, and today we're going to figure out how to fill in the gaps in your transfer students' knowledge. Two weeks ago on the podcast in episode seven, go to vibrantmusicteaching.com slash seven if you missed that one. We talked about first lessons with transfer students and what the best practices are when we're working with transfer students um, and taking them into our studio. What should we do in that first lesson? How can we get to grips with where they're at and where their reading is at and also have a great first lesson and give them some fantastic wins to take home with them that week? So that was the very first lesson. And after that first lesson, we start to get an idea of where they're at, where they're going and where they want to go with their piano studies. But we don't really know the full picture yet. We can't see all of the gaps. If there are lots of gaps, that is, we can't see where they are yet. And also, it might not be a case of actual deficits in their learning or things like that. It might not be the neglect of the previous teacher. And I don't like to talk about blame on previous teachers or anything else um, in cases like this, because it might just be that that teacher teaches in a completely different order to you. But that still leaves you with a gap if you want to move forward with the way you teach best and your curriculum for your students and your priorities for them. So you're left with this job of filling in those gaps in order to move forward with this student, but you have to keep them moving forward in the meantime, or at least feeling like they are. We can't just go backwards and redo everything, even if we feel like that's what is required. Now, the first area, often the biggest area that I see in transfer students that's missing is really good reading skills. So if this is the case for your transfer student, I think the best way forward is to work with lots of levels of repertoire. So you'll have a easy pieces or one week pieces or one quick studies, I often call them. And then you'll have slightly more challenging things. And then you might have one big project piece. That's the way I like to move forward with most students at a early intermediate and onward level because it gives them the opportunity to keep their reading skills fresh with quick studies and also to tackle those big projects that they want to do at this stage. With transfer students, this is extremely helpful because they can keep learning pieces that are maybe at the level they were playing at or that they think they are at, while also going back and maybe filling in some of the gaps in their knowledge in their reading level and bring it up to where they think they are or where they should be, in air quotes. So that's the first thing I'll do with transfer students where reading is the issue. And we'll do lots of levels of repertoire going forward forever, pretty much. The other thing I'd like to introduce them to is rote work. And it might sound a bit odd to talk about rote pieces when we're discussing a problem with reading because it seems like the other end of the spectrum but often if a student is having trouble with reading it's because or they have developed a great ear 
And we should make use of this. We shouldn't just neglect that or tell them that's the wrong way to do to read music or to understand music is to play it by ear. We want to move forward with their skills. And if they already have this great skill for playing by ear, for memorizing, use it. But use it in a context where the pieces are actually designed to be learned that way. And it's actually moving forward their technique and other areas of their studies. So those are my that's my two-pronged approach to students who their reading is falling behind their level. Do lots of levels of repertoire for reading and do some rote pieces to keep things fresh, to keep them feeling like they're playing great music and not going backwards and taking baby steps forwards again. In pretty much every other area, one of my favorite ways to work on transfer student gaps in knowledge is with games. And You may know that I run a whole site dedicated to games, so this might not be a surprise to you, but I'm not the only one who feels this way. I actually have a great quote to share with you from a member who gave this to me on her membership feedback form. This is from Rebecca, who's a piano teacher in Sussex in the UK. And she said, I've inherited a bunch of new students at a school and I'm finding the landmark note games and the keyboard layout games absolutely essential for these students. It is providing me with a fun way to go over these concepts that they kind of think they know, but they don't. So I love that quote from Rebecca because it's so true. There are so many things that transfer students will think they know because of maybe the way they were taught or some other factor and they actually don't, or they don't know them thoroughly enough. Such as, like she's saying here, landmark notes or keyboard layout. That's actually something that I find is skipped over a lot, or I used to certainly skip over it myself, really teaching the key names. And students will come to me really not being able to find C all that easily, or maybe they can find C, but not so much G or A, right? So if that's the case, doing Covering those concepts in a game is so much more beneficial because it's enjoyable for the student. They learn it thoroughly and they don't notice so much that they're going backwards to beginning concepts. It's just a game. So I want to give you a few examples of how I would work with various transfer student gaps through the use of games. The first gap that your student might have and the most obvious use for many people for games is for theory terms, dynamics, tempo marks, that kind of thing. Basically all the words of music. And I have some great games in the library for for this. I mean, tons of them. Three of my favorites, though, are the Symbol Splash, Pit Stop and Flower Power. And the reason I love these ones so much is because they are multi-level games. So these three I created to have four or five levels. So if I have two transfer students together, a transfer student and a long-term student, just me and a transfer student, it doesn't really matter because there are levels from primer level all the way up to like a solid grade three or four level where they're, you know, being quizzed on tempo marks and terms like grazioso and stuff like that. So it's great to be able to work at different levels in these games. I also have others that work at one level and whichever option you choose, It just feels so much more relaxed, so much more chilled than when you're saying, do you know what this means? Pointing at their music. Because if they don't know it, it makes them feel bad about it. And we don't want to place blame because it's not their fault. It's probably 
quite often not their previous teacher's fault. It's just happened. So all we want to do is move forward from there. We don't want to be placing blame on anyone. And asking them in the context of their music often can feel like a test, like a theory or practical piano exam, you know, where they're asked different terms on the page and there is a right or wrong, yes or no answer, whether they know it, whether they are up to that level or not. And that's not how I want them to feel. I want it to be fun. So games like these, Symbol Splash, you're falling in the water if you get the one wrong. Nobody minds falling in the water and swimming back to the start. I mean, they they groan within the context of the game, but it's all in good fun. Pit stop, they need to wait at various pit stops on a racetrack. And they love the racetrack theme there. And then flower power, sometimes there's sneezes and we lose all of the petals on our flowers, which is super fun and makes for lots of giggles and really knowing their theory terms because they don't want to lose their petals. So those three are great for working on theory terms and dynamics. The other probably most common area that would come up in terms of theory games is note names, right? And I have a a whole host of various note name games on my site, so I don't want to go into all the different ones I have and would use in this context, depending on what method book they're in, what they're struggling with. But there are three I think are especially useful in terms of a transfer student, and that is Face Gibbity, which is Face Gibbity Gibbity Face, I should say, which is a game to work on the skips alphabet, which is actually the way Piano Safari teaches the notes in book two. That's where it comes from. Check out Piano Safari if you haven't already. I give full credit to them for this note naming method um, and its popularity in my studio. But we work on it in, a, in the context of a game called Face Gibbity Gibbity Face because it's face GBD, right, for the skips alphabet, or for the line version, it would be G-B-D-F-A-C-E. And this is a great way to work on the notes. It's not so much about the method. The method is good, and it is one of my favorite ways for struggling note readers to finally find their way around the notes because it goes up the full staff. But really, it's just about having one solution. So they don't even necessarily need gibbity face, right? They could have just face gibbity, just the spaces, and that's fine. And it unifies the whole staff, and it's one thing. Many students in this country are still learning with mnemonics. And while that's useful for some students, for the majority, it only slows them down. It makes it adds this extra step between figuring out what the note is and playing it. And there's already so many steps involved in note reading. We don't want to add another one in and have them go through every good boy deserves fruit. The other problem with mnemonics and the big reason why face gibbity is different is that there's different ones for treble clef, bass clef, lines and spaces. So there's four. Often students will have four to remember and they mix them up. It's as simple as that. Every good boy deserves a cow does not work, right? So having one system is so beneficial and Face Gibbity helps to teach this to them and reinforce it and practice it a ton and get them really confident with using this method of note naming so that they have one system. Ultimately, we want them to instantly recognize notes. That's what all of us want. So I'm not getting down on mnemonics. I know it'll get students there and they'll all end up in the same place eventually. But working with landmark notes, or face gibbity and intervallic approach to reading really is more beneficial in my opinion and it gets them there a little bit faster so that's um, a win in my book. 
Another note name game that would be great for transfer students is called Spell a Staff. This is basically my answer to um, note spellers, those books that are popular, mostly popular in the in the States as far as I'm aware. I didn't grow up with them, but uh, those are just basically books of notes to name and um, we like getting lots of practice in like that. But I have a game version of this. It's called Spell a Staff and it's all these individual cards with note words, you know, like face or um, egg or tons of other words that you can spell with just the first seven letters of the alphabet. And they write on those with whiteboard markers, so they're totally reusable and they really love them. Uh, Students get through a ton of them, even if I just leave them to their own devices while I'm doing something else. Like if I'm working with another student and we have overlapping time or anything like that. If a student is struggling with notes, I set them on spell a staff and they get through a ton of them and they're still loving the process. I don't know what it is about spelling words with music notes, but they love it. The last one I wanted to mention is more for intermediate transfer students, and that is uh, Legend of the Ledgers. So this is working on ledger lines and again, really understanding them in a comprehensive way where they can see how they fit on the staff and the logic of them. Ledger lines are not notes to be memorized, nor are any other notes really. Eventually, yes, they will recognize them. But the bigger win comes from understanding the staff, understanding why the ledger lines are there. And that's what Legend of the Ledgers helps with. Another thing that transfer students will sometimes come to me with a problem with is intervals and patterns. And this is maybe less obvious to include in a game, but I have two that I've released recently um, that not just work on intervals, I have more that work on interval recognition, but these ones actually work on translating that into the fingers, which is a big problem that I see transfer students coming to me with, that they're really just not seeing the pattern and it equaling moving this finger to that finger, skipping over a finger, skipping two fingers, moving to the next finger, moving down, moving up, that kind of thing. So that's where the games Tippy Taps and Finger Gymnastics come in. And these have been a really fantastic addition to my collection of games over the last few months as I've been developing them because they are both away from the piano. And it is so beneficial for these students to work away from the piano where they don't feel like they're getting something wrong all the time. Yes, they can press a wrong finger, but it doesn't feel like this pressurized situation. And some students do feel that way at the piano, especially if they've been pure readers and they've just been corrected about notes as they're going through. It really feels like they're just on show when they're playing something and trying to get the notes right, in air quotes once again. Um, So tippy taps and finger gymnastics both work on tapping things out on a hard surface, such as the... um, surface of the piano lid or a table or the floor or whatever. Getting them to tap these patterns out with their fingers is really fantastic for working on pattern recognition and building up that kinesthetic sense of what that pattern means in their hands. Another thing that your transfer student might be struggling with is rhythm. And for this, my favorite go-tos would be relative rhythms and rhythm vocab. And for those of you who aren't VMT members, um, Relative Rhythms is actually available for free on my blog. If you go to colourfulkeys.ie slash relative rhythms, all one word, you can download it there. These are cards that have proportional sizes to each other. So 
A semibrieve or a whole note is four times the size of a quarter note or a crotchet. This just makes the relationship between the different note values that much clearer, especially for students who don't understand fractions yet or haven't encountered that in school. So they can be really fantastic and I use them for all kinds of rhythm work like dictation or creating rhythms, composing, improvising, all this stuff can be done with these cards just to make the note values really embed the sense that the note values are related to each other, hence the name relative rhythms, right? Rhythm vocab, on the other hand, are separate cards with one bar rhythms on each, and there are four levels of those. These are really great for building up a oral sense of rhythm. So I'll have them working on patterns of these and working just with quavers and crotchets, or that's eighth notes and quarter notes, to for several weeks to build up that sense of what these feel like, what they're like um, when you drum them, what they're like when you play them, what it's like to listen to them, and then adding another note in, another note in as we go through so that they really have this sense of a vocabulary of rhythm. So I'll give you one last example of how I might gamify transfer student gap filling, and that is when it comes to scales and chords. Because really anything can be framed as a game for any student. Um, It doesn't matter what it is. So scales and chords will often be working towards a scale challenge. And this is a great way to motivate students to fill in these gaps that seem maybe a bit dull to them. So working on a scale challenge or a chord challenge gives them a tangible target to work towards. Um... And they get their name up on the challenge board if they complete it and that sticker on the front of their folder. And it just gives them a sense of accomplishment without working towards an exam, because that's often not the next best step for transfer students in my studio. I also have games to work on these as well and on pattern recognition, but I won't go into those now. So with all of these things, filling in any kind of gaps with a transfer student, I'd like to use a lot of games, like I'm saying, um to make the process fun. But there's always this decision to be made and that's between disguising what's going on and the gap that is there and being honest with them. And in different circumstances, I think both are necessary. With older students especially, often being honest is very important. And I'm not saying that we're lying to them otherwise, just that being straightforward and explaining to them where the gap is, why it exists and what you're doing to fix it and why it's important is so valuable, especially with older students, with teens and adults. They will understand that they need to do Mary Had a Little Lamb much better if you explain to them where it's going to take them and why they need to do it at this stage. And make sure they know that they never have to play it for anyone except you. (laughs) So often when the ear is ahead of the reading skills, it's best to just be honest, have that conversation and make a plan that you're both on board with. Because if they don't practice the reading outside of lessons, it's not going to get you anywhere anyway. With other theory, especially with younger students, I will often disguise it. And games are great for that. So you have to make that choice when it comes to any of these gaps between the being the swan with its feet flapping under the water or being the swan with its feet up in the air, (laughs) showing them exactly what's going on. It always is going to be 
a debate you have with yourself when it comes to each student and even each concept that they're not getting, whether you're upfront with them or whether you try to fill in that gap without them noticing and disguise it with some gamification or using other method. Either way, make sure you're setting achievable goals, both for your own sake and for your students. If they've been at a grade three level, apparently, and their reading is more like a preliminary level, then don't try to get back up to grade three by the end of the year. It might happen, but it's unlikely. Make sure you set goals that are really realistic and achievable and that you understand what your priorities are for that first semester, for the first year and going forward from there. And of course, reassess these goals regularly as things change, as their goals change, as yours change and as things develop. I hope that you've enjoyed today's dive into transfer students and how we can fill in the gaps in their knowledge. If you have any questions for me, write to me in the Vibrant Music Studio Teachers Facebook group and I'd be happy to chat to you there. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, you might like to check out the Vibrant Music Teaching Membership at vmt.ninja. The transfer students transitions course is now in the library it's a special video only for members as is the webinar recording that i did a couple of weeks ago there's a whole library of games and activities that can help you fill in your transfer students gaps in their knowledge and there's a super supportive community and tons of other goodies inside check it out at vmt.ninja today 